The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome to this Stockhead podcast. I'm your host, Peter Strachan. Today we're talking about the establishment of a rebuildable energy supply in Australia, also known as renewable energy, and how we can firm up the power grid to with dispatchable power from weather-dependent generation sources, as well as employing batteries of all description. To draw us through the maze, we're delighted to welcome Executive Director of GenX Power, Simon Kidston. So welcome, Simon. Firstly, GenX has just secured the equity component of its planned $777 million water battery uh, with a planned capacity to deliver up to 2,000 megawatt hours of pumped hydro per day into the Queensland grid. Can you give us, run us through how this pumped hydro power project is funded, how it will operate and how the revenue it generates will flow down to cash flow for GenX? Good morning, Peter. Great to chat to you. Um, Yes, so we've now financed our flagship pump hydro project in North Queensland, converting what was once a very large gold mine into a renewable energy hub. The centrepiece is our pump hydro project, which we think of as a giant water battery. And the way it works, it arbitrages the difference between peak and off-peak energy prices and does so by pumping water from the low reservoir to the upper reservoir, when energy prices are low and energy is in surplus. And that water, the same water, is released through turbines to generate power when energy prices are higher and energy is in demand. So it's a very, very profitable machine. It's technology that's been around for more than 100 years. And we've secured this project in partnership with one of the very large energy retailers in Australia. Um, Energy Australia will be the operator of the plant. They will have full P&L responsibility for operating the plant and they will pay GenX's owner a very simple fixed cash flow that escalates for over 30 years. So a very secure cash flow for GenX and its shareholders. Uh, so it's a major milestone to bring all of these arrangements together um, and to get construction commencing in April. So Simon, that's a, a looks like Energy Australia is taking the risk in the market and they've said, okay, we'll just pay you you know, a fixed amount or escalating amount year on year. And they've done their calculations, they've got their slide rules out and they've figured this is what we can pay GenX and they're taking the risk of, of buying power at, say, $25 megawatt, a megawatt hour and then selling it at 65 or whatever the delta between the purchase costs and the sale cost will be. That's right. So Energy Australia is one of the big three energy retailers in Australia and they've got hundreds of thousands of customers in Queensland. So they'll effectively operate this plant and they'll do so to hedge or provide energy to their customers. But as far as GenX's project owner is concerned, the amount we receive per annum is fixed. It escalates the CPI over 30 years. So it's a highly secure cash flow. That cash flow doesn't vary to GenX by energy prices or energy volumes. And, and we therefore can consider this cash flow as secure as a corporate bond. And Energy Australia being rated triple B plus by the rating agencies gives us great comfort that that cash flow is indeed very secure over many decades to come. 
So, Simon, where does that 770-odd million dollars of CapEx sit? On your balance sheet or is it shared with Energy Australia? How does that work? So, Genix is the 100% owner of the project in a special purpose vehicle, which we own and control. And the vast majority of the capital is being provided by the Northern Australia Infrastructure Facility. They're a government development bank wanting to stimulate um, activity in the northern part of Australia. And they have signed off on a $610 million loan to the project. And in addition to that, the um, government agency ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency, is providing a $47 million grant, which effectively um, goes to the project. There are no obligations to repay that money, but it really drives um, great, great return for the taxpayer in terms of delivering this project into the grid, but also a very secure cash flow for us as shareholders. So GenX has negotiated with Energy Australia a return, what they think is a fair return, whether it's a 20% return on equity or whatever. Those those numbers are not uh, out in the public domain, is that correct? Look, we've not published our equity IRRs, but what I can say is the equity IRRs are in the mid-teen IRRs. So effectively, um, we consider that to be a very good return for our shareholders recognising the asset has a 100-year economic life, of which the first 30 years have revenue contractually locked in and secured, or baked-in yes. revenues. So we think um, a mid-teen IRR is a very good return for our shareholders. And, um, you know, and also, of course, Energy Australia, as the plan operator, um, will no doubt make a margin well above that to reward them for the efforts they go into in terms of operating the plant. Yeah, so does that debt sit on your balance sheet or is it in a, in the sort of off balance sheet in the actual project to, to the side of the company? Well, it's um, I guess it's it's a special purpose vehicle um, which is solely owned by GenX. So, okay. so I guess um, that, that's how it gets accounted for. Okay. So, you know, in this situation where we've had in Queensland recently where, you know, for two or three or even four hours a day, the uh, power prices have been negative. So you're being paid to pump water from the lower pit to the higher pit. At that point, um, Energy Australia is going to do very well because they'll be paid to to pump some of their water back up and then and deliver that back into the grid at you know six, seven, eight, nine o'clock in the afternoon when um, when the sun goes down and people are plugging in their toasters and cooking their dinners. That is right. So the, the I guess the electricity network is rapidly changing as the economy decarbonises. And what we're seeing is the proliferation of wind and solar, which of course is intermittent generation, which only works when the sun shines and the wind, wind blows. Yeah. And of course, um, where you've got situations, especially in Queensland, with a large amount of solar on people's roofs, we're seeing very, very low energy prices during the middle of the day when everyone's rooftop is generating power for their households. Of course, as soon as the sun sets and people come home from work and cook their dinner and watch TV, demand for energy spikes and so do, so too does the energy price. So it's that fundamental difference between off-peak and peak energy prices that provides the, the revenue opportunity for Pump Hydro. Yeah, it's become very bimodal, hasn't it, with low prices in the middle of the day and then low prices sort of one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning and so the high spikes at either end. 
Indeed, and and the way the wholesale market works is that um, at times energy prices are negative, which means um, batteries and pump hydro get paid to pump. And of course, as soon as the evening peak comes around, prices are obviously much, much, much higher and they will generate into those periods. So essentially they match supply and demand um, in the same way that batteries do. And their profit motive is that delta between peak and off-peak energy prices. And of so, course, for Genix, it's much simpler. Yep. We just receive a monthly rental payment that escalates a CPI over 30 years. But um, yeah, it's good to know the background to how these machines generate cash flow when they're operating. Yeah, so that's that's good. I mean, Energy Australia can decide how they want to run it. They can they can pump at different times of the day and and uh, you know deliver 250 megawatts into the grid in the morning and then later in the afternoon as well. So they can sort of pump in the middle of the day and then deliver a bit for a couple of hours and sort of basically they'll have to adjust to the prevailing winds, literally. Indeed, and I guess the view that's been taken by many in the market is that these changes in the energy market are structural. And what we're seeing over time is the gradual retirement of reliable baseload coal generators. Um, a lot of these plants were built in the 70s and 80s. They're coming to the end of their economic lives. And once these big stable generators retire from the market in the 2020s and 2030s, the volatility in the energy market is likely to be much, much higher than it is today because that capacity will be replaced by intermittent wind and solar. So there's a lot of reasons to believe why the future energy market will be more volatile uh, as a proportion of renewables increases and the proportion of coal-fired generation gradually declines over time. And that's where pump hydro and batteries come into their own because they can balance and make firm the intermittent or unreliable renewable energy and therefore make it good for consumers. That's right. And I think it's worthwhile just reminding the uh, listener that pumped hydro consumes more power than it generates. But what the thing is, it's consuming the power at a very low price and selling the power at a very high price. So the, it's the cost of pumping versus the cost of, of uh, the, the price that it gets, it receives for sending the power out. That's the issue. It's a, it's a, it's a battery, like all batteries. Uh, you know, batteries don't create power, they store it and they, they, they give it back to you when you need it and when the price is high. That's right, Peter. So we actually consume about 20% more power by pumping water uphill from the low reservoir to the upper reservoir. But of course, the difference in energy prices can be many, many hundreds of percent. So that's um, you're, you're correct to point out that, um, that fact. We do consume more energy when we do pump water uphill. But of course, um, from a profit perspective, that's well and truly compensated by the, the often massive differences in prices between peak and off-peak energy prices. Yeah, and it's very green if you're consuming uh, photovoltaic power in the middle of the day, which is zero carbon and pumping up, then uh, it's all good. So are you able to disclose the, the uh, terms and conditions of the debt that the uh, special purpose vehicle has? You, I mean, obviously, that has to be repaid. So the $610 million, which has been signed off by the board of the Northern Australia Infrastructure Facility, is essentially concessional finance. Yep. And that, that loan um, is priced off the 15-year Commonwealth Government bond rate, plus a margin. And we repay that loan 
over 30 years. The, the legal tenor is 15 years, so we have an obligation to refinance the debt after year 15 of commercial operations. But the amortization or repayment of principal um, extends out 30 years. And that's one of the key drivers to economics. So we've disclosed to the market that the weighted average cost of our interest portfolio, which includes the NAIF debt and the loans um, secured against our two operating solar farms, is below 3%. So to borrow um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, sub 3% for over 30 years, really means the returns to equity um, are very, very attractive indeed. So it's a key yeah. point you have identified and having low interest rates has really meant that these projects um, are very, very viable for shareholders. Yeah, and I think, uh, as you've pointed out, you're getting a mid-teens return, uh, which f from a utility perspective is a pretty high sort of rate of return. For, um, when, when you look at the very, very low risk of those cash flows, yeah. we're very, very happy with that mid-teen equity IRR. So, Simon, can we turn to the 50 megawatt photovoltaic project that's up and running? It's been running there for, I think, three years at Kidston. Uh, that project was touted to deliver about 146 gigawatt hours per annum. After the couple of years of operation, how are power sales performing against predictions and have sales prices per unit lived up to expectation? I guess um, that plant was, was built in 2017 and the key feature which underpins that project is a 20-year contract with the Queensland state. And, and the way that contract works is that provided the plant produces energy, um, the state guarantees an amount per megawatt hour for every megawatt hour produced, and that's measured at the farm gate. Yep. So, so I guess the P50 generation or the annual expected generation is around 146,000 megawatt hours. Um, that produces um, a very stable cash flow of circa $12 million per annum for the business. Um, I, th I think since that plant was, was built, um, power prices have fallen. Um, but from our perspective, with that contract in place, uh, we've got a very fixed and secure cash flow that runs for 20 years, extending until July 2038. So again, that, you've, you've really offset in the business. Yeah. So again, you've you've reduced your risk there by having that long term contract for the off to, offtake of the uh, power. And, and that's really how we seek to finance all of our projects. It's all about renewable energy infrastructure backed by long term contracts, and that's a theme that runs across our portfolio. And of course, um, uh, that's observable with our solar farm operating in Kidston, the pump hydro. And we'll do something very similar for our Jamalong solar farm, which we've just built in New South Wales. Yeah. So g given that they're quite separate businesses, the pumped hydro and the uh, solar farm on the tailings dam there, uh, the waste uh, dam, w will there be an ability in the future for the pumped hydro to actually buy solar from KS1, you know, in the middle of the day if the power prices are, are too high and they've got, you know, power coming off the the photovoltaics at a very low cost. So, yeah, yes, well, I guess the, the projects are all physically very close to each other. The solar farm is you know, less than 500 metres from the pump hydro. Um, but the way the projects work contractually and electrically, they're separate projects. So I guess the solar farm has, a, has its own meter, it produces energy, and that energy goes into the grid. Adjacent to that, the pump hydro, has a meter and it draws energy from the grid and sells energy to the grid. 
So electrically, the electrons may flow, of course, if the solar farm is operating when the pump hydro is pumping yeah. from one to the other, but contractually, um, the projects are separate projects. So, um, Simon, you've said that power prices have been declining in Queensland uh, over the last couple of years. What do you expect will happen to pricing on the East Coast going forward? And then you've got the Gemalong uh, project, which I think is going to be a merchant uh, supplier without the sort of contract support that you have at uh, Kidston. In, in some ways, the, the next five or ten years is really determined by the retirement of major coal-fired power stations. So, yeah. for example, in New South Wales, um, AGL, the operator of the Liddell power, power Station, have announced the closure of that very large power station in 2023. That's 1,500 megawatts of stable generation coming out of the market. The market, I guess, will adjust to that over time. But at the moment, um, you know, with COVID and other impacts on the economy, prices are lower than they were some three to four years ago. Um, I think over you know, the next four or five years, as we continue to see the power market evolve, we will see volatil volatility of energy prices. We will see um, an increase of customer focus on renewable clean energy. And these will just play out in the market and create opportunities for nimble players like Genix to develop more projects over time. Yeah, yeah, you're in a, a good position with a, with a foot in the door and uh, and you know the ability to to uh, sort of leverage off your experience to do it again and again to multiply that, that those impacts. But with the with the Gemalong project, which we're just commissioning now, this is a project located in New South Wales near the town of Forbes. Our intention is to contract forward for say 10 years or not the nine years to the end of 2030, 50% of the output. The balance, we're happy to keep selling to the spot market. And um, I think the blend of partially contracted revenues, partial exposure to the spot market provides a good return uh, or good risk adjusted return for our shareholders. Yeah, so just Simon, back to the uh, pumped hydro, the, the Queensland government stepped up to the plate to deliver upgraded power transmission system from the Kidston site on a build, own and operate basis, uh, linking that plant into the grid. Uh, how will that um, spending by the government be repaid or is that just going to be in the toll arrangements that they're going to charge for um, sending the power? I, I guess it's an Energy Australia uh, issue in any case, but w what's the arrangement with the government? So the, the power station, uh, sorry, the power line will be built and owned by PowerLink, the, yeah. the Queensland Government Transmission Company. And we've agreed with them a joint funding model whereby the, the company of the project contribute $111 million to the cost to build the project and PowerLink through, and the Queensland Government will fund the balance. That, that split in cost was derived by the expected usage of the plant. Um, in the line's capacity with the expectation that other solar farms or wind farms over time will seek to connect into that brand new power station. So in some ways, the Queensland government is looking forward, um, consistent with their strategy of increasing the penetration of re renewables, are wanting more wind farms, more solar farms to connect into transmission infrastructure. And essentially what Genix has done is acted as a foundation customer by making that very large contribution 
roughly 40% to, to the line's costs. Um, we've secured our capacity for 30 years, um, but we've also, I guess, enabled other projects, which could be ours or other parties, to connect into that line over time. Okay. Well, it's an exciting time for Gen X. Uh, a great business model. It's a very timely business model, I think, to to bring in with both uh, the pumped hydro, you know, your water battery, if you like, and then you're generating power from uh, from solar. And um, it's going to be a very exciting time. I'm I'm uh, looking forward to the day when I can see the cash flow uh, numbers in a couple of years' time, and uh, and hopefully that's going to support a share price of well above the current 22 or 23 cents that we're seeing on the market. Look, we're excited to be building a diversified business with, I guess, very strong baked-in cash flows. And, yeah, it's an exciting time for the company and our shareholders, and we're looking forward to, um, to delivering and executing on our strategy of being Australia's leading renewable energy generator and energy storage company. Simon, thanks for coming into Stockhead today to conduct this podcast and uh, we're going to be very excited to see how these projects come online over the next short term and and longer term for the for the pumped hydro so thanks for coming in today great to chat peter and thank you for stockhead